listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 105, Vile and Vicious Slander Against My Son. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Dynamite Sentai Ryu Soldier, episode 37. The ultimate tag team is born. What tag team was in this episode? Well, I think that's the, the one with uh, Ko and, and Tiramigo. But all the same, like, they were already the ultimate tag team. Yeah, so. okay, yeah, because he, he wrote on his... Okay, that's not really what a tag team is, but sure. And episode 38, The Temple in the Sky. In fairness, there was a temple in the sky. That's fair. That is, in fact, what that was. Our writer for 37 is Kaneko Kaori, which explains a lot of things. And our writer for 38 is Taka Hiroya. Our director for 37 is Kashiwagi Hiroki. And for 38 is Koichi Sakamoto. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess because there weren't any, like, ladies he could put in miniskirts in episode yeah, 38. Like... I mean, the, the movie lady was, which means he probably directed the movie. Well, we haven't seen it. He's so. kind of the Ken Penders of Tokusatsu. <laughs> I get that joke now. Dear listener, if you don't get that joke, I'm putting a link to a Tumblr account called Thanks Ken Penders. Uh, Ken Penders being one of the longest-term writers on the Archie Sonic the Hedgehog comic, and it's, uh... It's wild. It's a wild ride. It's it's a ride. Um, I mean, he's, he's not quite as bad as Ken Penders because he has not sued Toei for the rights to any characters. Look, in fairness to Ken Penders, like, I have to give him this much... Somehow he won. Yeah, he he did because somehow. they lost they lost the original contracts and absent the original contracts, apparently it's like the uh, the old the, like the old timey film serial of yes I've stolen the deed now I own the house and I'm just like I don't think that's how property's supposed to work. <laughs> I feel like you, you like there should be more than I hold a piece of paper therefore I own this thing. But apparently, with Sonic characters, that's how it works. Only the OCs. Um, he has all his original characters do not steal them, or use some of them in later comics, because apparently he gets very annoyed about that. It's a wild... Anyway, shutting up, moving on, because... One day, we, boy, we, one day just... we will do a rider jump on, on Ken Penders. I will do my research. Honestly, Sono, I know that uh, you just had some... Uh, a bit of artwork focused in, in a Sonic OC zine. I did, and I have another one coming up. Oh, really? I'm, Congrats. I'm in two of them. Uh, the deadline for the second one is in about a week. Ah, nice. But I did, uh, the first one that I was in did come out uh, recently, a couple weeks ago. And we'll have links to those in the uh, in the show notes. So you're getting all kinds of fun fun Sonic stuff. But... Between between like me discovering that I have incredibly like ironclad Sonic opinions in the wake of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which, dear listener, that was a surprise to me. <laughs> but all it takes apparently is someone doing a decent idea badly, and I discover, oh no, I have opinions about it. Yeah, we can just do a whole writer jump about like Sonic the Hedgehog, the concept. Maybe after the movie comes out, that's what we'll have to do. I'm here for it. Because that just Especially that sounds since, very fun. Yeah. Especially, like, I'm just 50-50 about whether or not... Well, we'll discuss that off mic, because this is, this is about 
some vile and vicious slander against my son, and we need to discuss it. That's true, but w- one but, day we'll address Sonic, because I do have a, a hefty Sonic project planned for 2020. Oh, really? Ooh. I want to play every mainline Sonic the Hedgehog game in order. You, you are brave. You know, that's, that's going to include Sonic 06, it's going to include Sonic Boom. I'm going to do all of these things. Uh, I own about half of them at the moment, but... One day we'll talk about Sonic. I just, just, yeah, yeah. I look forward to that. I and I'm, I'm so surprised that I at how much I am looking forward to it. But a chance to excise all of my Sonic demons, none of whom are my Sonic OC. Go figure. Uh, sounds quite cathartic. Anyway, uh, so we were talking about Koichi Sakamoto. Yes. Um, and how there, I guess there's just no lady, this was a, an episode very focused on two dudes, so there was not a whole lot of ladies he could put in hot pants. Though I'm pretty sure that movie lady was. Which, Would not surprise. again, just leads me to assume that he directed the movie, because otherwise, I don't think they would change her costume for this. Yeah, I feel like they just put her in one of the, the... Ryusoul Tribesman's outfit, which is part of the thing that confused me, because it's like, why isn't she wearing, like, you know, the, the, the straight collar with, like, a vest, you know, the shirt with the vest over it? I don't know, but uh, this episode, episode 37, does feature a returning toku actress. Uh, Ichiro's mother is played by Yoshi Rei, who we know as formerly playing Sawagami Rina in Kamen Rider Drive. Okay, I, th- I did think she looked familiar, but also, um, since we're bringing up Sogami Arena from Kamen Rider Drive, uh, it needs to be said at least once more, she deserves so much better. Always and forever, because like, that is the joke. my girl. Yeah, she's cool. And the joke on the show just kept being, oh, she's old, and it's like, she's like 30-something? I believe she was 28. Yeah, okay, 28. Hmm. That's mm, wow. Okay, well, since we're already talking about things we don't like, let's let's get into the things we don't like in this show, in these episodes rather, because honestly, the things we don't like in the show at large are it's a short list. Um. Okay. So to get it out of the way, the plot of this episode is another one of those. Oh, but your parent is just trying to do what's best for you, even if they're, you know, being manipulative and overbearing and cruel to the point of controlling your life. Um, and I'm not particularly fond of that plotline. That that makes sense. That That's not a thing to like. Generally, am not super fond of it. But also, the conceit of this episode is so strange... Because the kid is also a jerk. <laughs> like, sure. Tiramigo is not always in the moral right, especially where Melt is concerned. But he, in this episode, he is literally framed for assault of a minor who then uses that lie to continue to manipulate their friendship. Like, Tiramigo is an upstanding member of the community, and he does not deserve this slander. Yeah, he is, and he does not. Tiramigo deserves many apologies from basically everyone on the show, because they treated him like he's some sort of aggro-rabid dog, and frankly, not just intuiting immediately the facts of the situation is just nonsense, because, like, okay, look, I know I'm pushing 40, 
so I've seen this sort of plot mm, once or twice, you could say. But still, like, Tiramigo is just shutting up after this really weird, after, like, apparently assaulting this child, this literal child. Like, I was just like, oh, okay, so it's not what it looked like, and the kid made him promise to shut up, right? And lo and behold, yeah. Honestly, just give Ko or, or even Melto a moment to show their friendship and understanding of Tiramigo by just saying, like, look, okay, you weren't telling us, which means you must not you must have promised you wouldn't, and we know you wouldn't want to eat a little kid, so okay, so this can't be what it seems. And also we've met his mom, and she's mad intense. So I'm guessing it has something to do with her. Like, you can work backwards to get this whole thing. I realize that that would also make the episode really short. But it was kind of a lightweight one anyway, so, like, we could have done other things throughout. Just say. Just focused more on Tiramigo. Because my son deserves it. And, like, that would Especially have been... Especially if people are gonna slander him like this. Especially if, like, I can kind of understand, like, Ko not getting it, because Ko is not always the most intuitive, even if he, like, still realized something wasn't right. Because, like, mm. you know, he knows Tiramigo isn't like this. But if he, like, realized something wasn't right, and then Melt was the one to work it backwards, because he's the smart one, that would, yeah. that would give kind of, you know... Another little bonding moment between Melt and Tiramigo. Exactly. Because then... Then they could even keep up their antagonism, but they could do so having had the moment of, Hey man, when no one else believed in you, I did. Because I know you're cool. And, like, that'd be, that'd be fine. Because, like, then, then him and Melt can have a thing, and even though they still have the mutual antagonism... We can at least always get back to, oh, but they're cool underneath it all. But also, oof, this lady. Coming at Ui and her dad like that? Like, that got my back up. Like, Ui's already struggling with anxiety and depression. And then this lady is like, oh, you look how far you've fallen. You had such good grades. But now you're friends with all these, like, horrible people. Like, I was ready to throw hands. Like, you're just gonna slander everyone, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, look, I know that Ui's dad is peacemaking kind, and that's good. But, like, he, he would have been righteous if he got right up in her face at that stuff. Because on top of Ui's already existing issues, like you said, she's got anxiety. She got depression. Again, like... She got depression to the point that the first time we meet her is in the suicide forest. Yeah, and, and... And within a few episodes, she's considering throwing herself off a cliff. Like, who boy! <laughs> I love Ui. I love Ui. I see a lot of myself in her. But, like, on top of just the issues she's already got, she's also got, like, hey, not too long ago, her mom came back from the dead... For, like, a few hours, and then died again. Okay, admittedly, she just, like, went back into the light, but that's the same thing. Yeah. That's, and that's, like, not even thinking about the fact that, like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, this nice guy she knew uh, was murdered to death, and she just, like, got to hang out. She got to be the person who brought his friends his last will and testament after, presumably, she at least watched some of it. 
And that's on top of the general anxiety of, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, there's all these monsters, and they keep popping up and trying to, you know, kill all humans. And sometimes they get really close. <laughs> like, look, I, I realize that part of the hook is is just that the Super Sentai stuff is sort of sidelined, and it's not a thing everyone's thinking about all the time, even though, like... If that happened in the real world, it would be the only thing you thought about after a certain point. And, and like, you know, this lady is just an aggro lady, and hey, maybe part of the reason she's so aggro and control freaky is because she cannot control her reality, wherein giant monsters appear and, I don't know, decimate half the city. But whatever, she, she still shouldn't be running her mouth like that at these youths and their dinosaur. Like, if you think someone's dog bit your kid, like... Sure, you should you should talk about that, but that's because, like, once you know your kid's okay, it's like, hey, does your dog make a habit of biting people? You should do something about that. What's wrong with your dog? And if it's like the, the kid, it's like, hey, I would like an apology. Because if she just asked for an apology from Tiramigo, I, I don't think we'd have this much problem with her. Because, yeah, yeah, you thought he was eating your kid, of course you'd demand an apology. Yeah, like... Of course she's gonna be mad, but, like, just focus on the subject at hand. You don't have to, like, tear down the whole family. Like, yeah. Ui didn't yeah. do anything. She's not involved yeah, exactly. in this. Yeah, she's just in the same place where the people who keep the dinosaur around live. I mean, you know, the, the dinosaur lives there, too. The dinosaur's her roommate, not her, like, child. But I mean, I'm glad at least that at the end of the episode, Ui kind of marches up to this lady and is like, hey, yeah, I'm glad everything is fine now, but you said some really nasty things about my friends and you need to apologize for it. And nice. and she does. And it's just nice to see that Ui's gained enough confidence that even though she's still not really certain in herself, she will defend her friends whether or not she's scared. Dead. Man, bless Ui. I love her so much. Ui is kind of like if you ma if you went back to Gokaiger and made Guy and Don one character who was also a girl. Which is essentially all I want out of life. So Ui's basically perfect. Yeah, no, that, that tracks. Honestly, like, and I just, I keep looking at this lady, and again, I'm, I'm still so mad about a lot of the stuff she said. Much as I'm happy she apologized, it just, if there are if they'd reframed it, I think they could have got away with a lot of it. Because, like, if she's just at her son's side at the hospital, and the conflict was she thinks her kid has been hurt by this actual dinosaur, and this dinosaur who she thinks mauled her kid is still coming around and, like, brings his friends, because, like, Tiramigo's like, hey, my friend is in the hospital, I would like you to run interference for me or something. I don't know. And, and she can be hurtful because she's at the hospital worried about her kid, and they're rolling with the dinosaur, trying to get the dinosaur in to see her kid again. And then she's just like, yeah, I'm sorry, is this your dinosaur? He's trying to eat my kid. I will not have this. And then she can be hurtful because she thinks that these people are, you know, complicit in her child getting eaten. Because at least at that point, her aggression would make sense. I think... I don't think we'd be having quite as many qualms about it. No, because that <laughs> makes sense. 
But, like, the entire conceit of it is just like, oh, your, your dinosaur attacking my son has interrupted his studying to be a doctor. Like, yeah, and he's I'm just taking like, an important medical exam. I'm like, he's eight. Yeah, no, it, like, I'm, look, I'm sure the kid's smart. Maybe he skipped a grade. I don't know. But even if he skips some grades, uh, <laughs> that's not when medical school happens. Honestly, like, if they just aged it up and had it be, been, like, Tiramigo just rolling with this 20-year-old dude, and he just does not want to be a doctor and doesn't know how to tell his mom that, and she just reacted exactly the same. I think this would, like, we'd be having a different discussion. But also be like, no, Ui doesn't talk back to the kid. The kid needs to. But, like, it could have been one of Ui's classmates. I'm just... I, but I wonder if there is a version where that's not what happened. Because I feel like a lot of things make a lot more sense then. Yeah. Because, like, he the, the thing the kid is afraid of is he... I don't even think he got hurt bad enough to need a hospital. I don't know but why he's in the hospital, but... I get the impression maybe Mom just like, no, a dinosaur tried to eat him, could you make sure he doesn't have rabies? Yeah, but like, his entire thing, why he did chilling. this, was like, oh, I had I was playing with this toy gun, and if my mom sees me playing with a toy gun, she'll get mad. Where did you get that? Where did you get yeah. the toy gun? It's obviously not yours. There weren't other children around. And I don't think, like, Tirabigo doesn't own a toy gun. He is guns. So, like, I don't know. There's a lot of things, and I don't, I'm, we're not the type to, like, nitpick little things like that. But when it makes, when the larger thing already doesn't make sense. Yeah. I feel like looking at these things that make it not make more sense like, I feel like that's not quite as big of an issue. Because, like, the whole thing falls apart more and more the closer you look at it. Which, like, look, I hate to single anyone out, but that is kind of a Kaneko Kaori, uh special, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I hate I hate crapping on this person who, look, they're, they're still coming up, they're still learning their trade, it sometimes takes a while, has done a couple really good episodes, but also mm, many that aren't. Yeah. Also the many that aren't. the whole framing of Ko like subconsciously trying to control Tiramigo also felt super weird because is it just me or did it not come across that way at all? Like, they seem yeah, no. to want to frame it like Ko was doing to Tiramigo what Ichiro's mother was doing to Ichiro. But all Ko was doing was trying to understand the truth so he could help his friend. I, I don't know where that stuff came from either. Because, like, look, I'm glad Ko doesn't want to control Tiramigo. And I, I think it's a good thing, especially for people who are in a leadershipy role in a group or just kind of have like more more intense or or domineering personalities to double check that sort of thing. But that would be an episode kind of all its own. And also like that's a completely different conflict. Yeah, cuz it's like if he was controlling him, he'd be like demanding 
that Tyr, like, he'd be yelling at Tiramigo, like, why did you do this? You're not supposed to do this. And, like, being very different with him when they're both in that first fight. But I can get why Tiramigo didn't want to tell him, because he made this promise to his friend. But the entire thing Ko is doing is just, he literally is just over and over asking, like, hey, buddy, is everything okay? You seem like this doesn't fit with your personality. What's going on? I want to help. Which is not controlling. That's being a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. You are being uncommonly surly and silent about this thing. What's up? I want to respect your boundaries, but also, what the heck? Yeah, sorry, I'm just repeating your bit. I just, I'm right there. It's a weird bit. Because, and, you know, then he does this whole, like, you know... Dino Knights and Ryu soldiers have to have this this kind of implicit trust. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Because your souls are as one. That's the plot of the show. And it felt kind of weird that Bomba's like, oh, that's, that's how you see it, but what if you're being kind of controlling? Because I feel like Bomba does not quite have that level of emotional qu- clarity yet, even with how far he's come. Like, I don't feel like he would be the one to say that. Maybe Toa would? Yeah. Or Asuna. Or Asuna. Or even, like, Melt. Literally any of any of them that aren't Bamba. Because I feel like he is not the one who is best friends with his Dino Knight. Yeah, no. Like, Which is a shame, because he, he, he's got an adorable Dino Knight. He does. It it honks. I, I lose my mind every time that Mere Needle honks. But, uh, it just... It's nice to see that they're trying to acknowledge that he's gaining that emotional clarity, but it just, given how weird that idea is in this episode anyway, having him say it felt even more weird. Yeah, I I, I could get with it if they then had a bit where they're like, yeah, see, Bonba, that's not what I'm doing. Oh, okay, I was just making a suggestion that maybe you were, because that's a thing I have to I have to watch myself for sometimes. Like, then I think we could go, but that's not what happened, so. But anyway, it gave us more reason to have the handsomest guy on screen, so, uh, you know, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it was also weird because he just kind of, like, slid in out of nowhere, and then is like, hey, are you doing this? And Ko's like, no, I'm not doing that. Fair enough, and just slides out of screen again. <laughs> I'm like, this is a very That's strangely composed episode. Uh, well, again, like, uh, I hate, I hate crapping on it, on them, but it's kind of another Kanako Kauri special, isn't it? A little bit. But rolling into 38, because there's not as much here, but there's a couple things. Um, I do wish we had some indication that Precious doesn't actually intend to give Gachi Reyes's heart back. Because I feel like there's not an honor among thieves situation here, and even if he did, like, kill the Ryu soldiers, she wouldn't give it- she wouldn't just give it back. She'd keep tormenting him. Like, she's got all of the cards. But um Precious is just such a, like, what-did-you-expect-I'm-the-villain sort of character that it feels anticlimactic not to have a moment where Gachi Reyes is like, okay, I did it, I held up my end, give me my heart back, and she's like, no. No. <laughs> Why would I but do you... that? You'd stop listening to me. 
but you promised. Oh, that was a lie. <laughs> like, it's, which honestly is my favorite villain power move. I know, mine it happens. Too. It happens in the, the canon films Master of the Universe one, play, where Skeletor is played by Frank Langella and is uh, just amazing. Or, okay, you can even have that, you know, let's go anti-heroic and, and do, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. You cheated! Pirate. Like, just, she needs that. Precious has earned that moment. I I really hope it happens at some point, because I, I really want to, I want her to be the most, dis- or was it they? I forget. What did we, do, what did we settle on for, for, pronouns when discussing precious um i'm still leaning she but we she, have okay. figured out that precious is a knight as far as chess pieces oh, okay. go um so that's a it's shame a mystery. i still like her as a queen it's yeah. a mystery mystery okay look there there's only one gender and is goths anyway yeah um but anyway just precious has earned that moment and i think uh i i just want that for them yeah, I, I think she could pull it off with Weisel, but since yes. they already set it up with Gachi Reyes, I'm just, like, I'm just disappointed. And I, well, here's I, hoping. I kind of wish that it was Seto at the Temple of Beginnings instead of the movie lady. Um, just because I have zero context for her from having not seen the movie. And therefore, I'm deeply confused as to why she's the one whose consciousness is guiding this trial at the temple. But, you know, take your shot, I'm ruffled by a movie-only plot point being in the main show, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you haven't seen the movie. Which some yeah. kids probably have not. I, all I know is I haven't. And, like, my partner and I were spending most of the scenes like, wait, do we know her? They're talking like we know her, but I feel like I would remember her. And before remember it, before my partner was just like, "Oh no, Ayla, there was a movie. She's probably from the movie." And like, sure, clearly, but yeah, it, it, just, they sure didn't make that clear. Yeah, I mean, it's it is one of the less invasive ones that have happened. Mm. I mean, Ko at least kind of explains who she is, but if she's just one of their ancestors, it could easily have been set up. Yeah, it's it's a weird bit, but also that that brings us into. I know I mentioned it at the start of the episode, but and I should probably put this in good stuff because we didn't have like a bunch of lingering shots of her thigh. But thirty eight just didn't feel like a Sakamoto episode. And again, I know that we usually applaud when that happens because usually if it doesn't feel like a Sakamoto episode, it's because his camera has been forcibly decreepified. But this time, like, like the episode direction just had nothing. Like, no energy. The camera was, like, it wasn't static, but it was less impressive than the person, like, I forget the name I, of, of the person we're saying is, like, the new Sakamoto who's not horny on main all the time. But it was just, it, the camera works just not much. Like, there was a couple decent out-of-suit fights and an explosion or two, but... I don't know, a part of me wonders if his heart's gone out of it now that he can't be a creep on TV anymore. Which, you know, like, fine. Hopefully that means we'll get a replacement for him and we just, we won't have to have the worry 
about where the camera's going to point in any episode he directs, which, you know, again, we've, we've talked about the problematic nature of Koichi Sakamoto's uh, oeuvre, but uh, that's, that's just kind of it. Like, he was the head director on Kamen Rider Forza. I love Kamen Rider Forza. Kamen Rider Forza got a lot of bits where it's like, hey, just calm down, dude. You're being gross. But, you know, whatever. It's just it's just kind of a shame that his fights are just kind of... Meh. Yeah, the only thing that really tipped me off is that Bamba got to do some little, like, sword flips. He got to kind of flip his sword around. Oh, that, yeah. Which is always fun. Um, but yeah, no, there was not a lot of dynamic camera movement. It was just a lot of very quick cuts. Because I, I tend to associate, honestly, like, the things I associate with Koichi Sakamoto, besides, like, just needing to calm down, is wire work and explosions. And, like, there was an explosion, but, like, I miss his wire work. Yeah, there was not a lot of it in this episode. And I don't know if it's maybe just the episode, because I don't- I feel like Kaneko Kaori's writing is not very conducive to his directing. I mean, yeah. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. Well, no, but 38 wasn't the- the Kaori episode. Oh, that's true. You're right. Yeah, that was Takiroya. I mean, it may have still just been the episode, because, again, it was a very- the episode itself was- Yeah, it was a very sparse episode. So, I don't know. It definitely didn't really feel like him, and the only thing that tipped me off was that Bamba got to, like, flip his sword around. And, I mean, look, that was pretty cool. Oh, yes. And that's definitely the kind of, of, like, swoosh he puts on his stuff, but also, it's not, like, that's one of the details he puts, not one of the the big things he does, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of a shame to see him lose energy from, from his direction, but... I mean, I get it. He's he's still a working man, and he's only got the budget he's got. Uh, but also, I just, I really hope... I, I just want the Koichi Sakamoto... Honestly, I'm not sure I even want the Koichi Sakamoto, who isn't a perv. But, like, I, I want to keep the Koichi Sakamoto, if I can. Yeah, it's... Like, I guess we we'll just have to see fights. next time he directs. Yeah. Because, like, we've had him on other episodes of this show, and it's always been very him. Yes. I mean, look, he did he did Bonba's reluctant fist bump, and, like, there aren't a lot of perfect shots in the world, but that's one of them. But anyway, let's, we'll move away from that into stuff we did like, because there's, like, even when things are kind of rough on uh, Ryu Soldier, it's still some pretty solid Sentai. Yeah, it's still real good. Um, the bit where Weisel is like, we're gonna rub it in, in Precious's face, and then he's like, wait. Precious's face. Where's her nose? That bit was hysterical. Especially since he's got, like, the exact same facial structure. Like, where's your nose, Weisel? Honestly, I'm just, I'm glad every time Weisel gets a good comedic beat. Because, like, look, nothing is gonna beat, uh, oh, it's so bright! And he's just like, really? And he lifts up his visor, and then he gets blinded because it's so bright. (laughs) That is... Like, that is some top-tier yeah. physical Sentai comedy. Peak like, comedy. Mwah. Comedy gold. But, but like, the, where is her nose? Like, that's still real good. 
Also, I thought it was really sweet that Asuna, like, grabbed her bag of chips and brought it over to Ko when he was worried about Tiramigo. Because, like, eating is such a core part of her character that sharing her food is very meaningful and is, like, such a sign of her reaching out to try and connect with someone that she's handing them the thing that makes her happiest. Yeah, which, like, look, Asuna, that's a, that's a big mood, because, okay, I'm going to get kind of real for a sec. Sorry. No, I'm not. But, like, sometimes it's hard to know the kind, the way to offer comfort to someone, but I do find that comfort food tends to at least be pretty solid, because, like, okay, look, sometimes it's a bad idea, because some people's anxieties re- resolve around revolve around food, and there's no shame in that, because goodness knows our society does some messed up stuff to people's head. But look, by and large, an explosion of salt, sugar, umami, or, you know, whatever your preferred flavor is, like, that's a good way to offer comfort, if only so nobody has to directly talk about the thing going on. This is not to say that it's better than talking about it, but sometimes, like, they aren't in a place to talk, or you don't know them like that. But still, like, it's, it is some kind of kindness and gives some of the resources necessary in the form of calories, carbs, and other nutrients to help someone deal with the thing on a physical and emotional and biological and physiological level. And um, asana is great, is what I'm saying. Like, that is, not only is that a good, imitatable behavior, but she's showing some insight into how she is kind, because... Unlike Ko, it seems that she's actually quite talented at being kind from the off. For her, it seemed very much a way of breaking the tension, because she does know Ko that well. She knows him better than most people. She's the source of- she is half of the source of his kindness. And she knows- she's known him for like 200 years and knows how he can be when he gets in his own head. And just knows that like- Offering him this can be a distraction to kind of snap him out of his own head, and it's just a way to reach out and open up that conversation for him. Yeah, and look, it's it's a really lovely way to do it. As as you observed in the first episode, Pink's strong, and uh, to elaborate on that, uh, y'all, the heart is a muscle, so you know she's strong there, too. Proud of her. I don't actually know if the heart is a muscle, I think it's... Like, it, there's muscle fibers. I don't actually know biology. I'm sorry. But it was a good line, y'all. Also, I love the bit of Precious trying to, like, take Kurion's heart in order to manipulate her the way that Precious is manipulating everyone. And Kurion's kind of, like, flailing around in pain as Precious is like, wait, this didn't work. And Kurion's like, oh, right! I don't have a heart! I'm fungus. LOL. Oh, it was so good. Just, I'm not like you organisms. I'm a fungus. Kureon is too primitive a creature to be controlled. That's amazing. Which reminds me, like, from here on out, I just, I'm declaring this now, I want to make it so myconids in my D&D world are immune to critical strikes. But not sneak attack damage, because, like, it sucks to lose your entire, like, your class thing. But, like, they don't have organs, so you can't get a critical strike on them. I think that'd be funny. It's really good. Uh, natural 20. Oh, you hit. What do you mean? Oh, you don't get your extra damage. Why? Doesn't have... Like, what are you hitting? You you hit a lot more fungus. Fungus fibers. Uh. 
they don't have organs. What do you, you can't crit them. I don't know. I just think that'd be fun. It is. And I, I also love that like precious then, you know, spins it and is like, okay, well I'll make you, you know, just, just roll with me. I'll make you a high ranking Duridon. Um, which again, leads me to believe Duridon is a class, not a race. Yep. I, I, I got to talk with my partner about that. Like right after that. Like, hey, hey, Dredon is class, not not species. Here we go. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. class, not race. Um, and I just love that Crayon's like, wait, if I'm the highest ranked, does that mean no one can boss me around? Because that's like <laughs> that's been the thing. She's been pushed around this whole show, and she hates it. And like, get it, girl, take over. This is what you and I have wanted for her this whole time. Oh, right? And I really yeah. hope that it's leading to her being the final boss. Same. Honestly, just let her build an empire on the idea of going to strange new worlds, seeking out new life and new civilizations, and calling them names. That's our girl. Yep, just, hey guys, what's up? I heard you're the planet, uh, Zorp. Uh, yeah? Yeah, you all suck. Bye! <laughs> like, you, come on, tell me you couldn't see her doing that. Oh yeah, just showing up. Like, I just, I imagine her just going to, like, the moon people from DuckTales 2017. Yes. Being like, hey, the moon's not a planet. Yep. You're, the moon? Yeah, you, I know you think you're a real thing. Nah, moon sucks. It's not a planet. All y'all are dumb. Only thing it's good for is cheese. And it's not actually cheese. So, you're not good for anything. Bye! Just, I want... Just want space troll crayon. God, I wonder if I wonder if they'll try and make another space squad movie and bring in Ryu Soldier. I hope so. And it's just you know, the the space mafia is trying to like recruit Crayon and Crayon's Crayon's like, whatever, I've already been recruited by one space mafia. If I get to mess with some stuff, that's all I'm looking for. Alright, but just so we're clear, I'm in charge. No. Okay, let's throw the shot. I want to see Korean do that. <laughs> yeah, we're the shot. Tried. Oh. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, do I get to insult a bunch of Earthers? Uh, yeah, we're going to kill them. Insult, kill, and same diff. Yeah, it all so works. you are going to help us kill them, though, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. How else are we going to show them how lame they are? Crayon's so great. It was also very cute that Pitan was just trying, like, really hard to bond with Tiramigo and be like, hey, buddy, what's going on, though? Like, now that they can combine, he just really wants to be friends. He just, he really wants that. And who can blame him? I mean, especially when you've literally allowed someone to join their soul and body with you, on top of that being a, a really kind of intense expression of intimacy, that's a great reason to make a new friend compatibility and all that you know yeah i mean it it makes me wonder like because when mosa rex and dime volcano combine they become an entirely new person um which doesn't yeah. happen with tiramigo and piton and i'm wondering if like you need a really strong bond before you can like make a new soul that way that would make sense and you know piton's just trying He's like come on buddy we're in this now Whereas Tiramigo's like, hey man, look, I I haven't been awake very long, I'm still developing a sense of self. Muddling you with it would 
mm, it might be a little dangerous for me. Just, uh, you know, give me, give me like, 50 years. Also, co-writing on Tier Amigos Back was super sick. Like, even Weisel was like, don't be cooler than me. Right? That was, again, Weisel, comedy gold. And look, like, when it comes to questions of showmanship, I have to say, Weisel does know what's up, and I appreciate that game recognize game. And I, I wish we got more stuff like this. Like, I wish that, I don't know, Noel had ridden on Goody's back or something. Like, the only other one I can think of is riding Diboken, which is super dumb and also super cool. I love riding Diboken. Everything in Bokender is super weird. That's very true. <laughs> but I love it. I love riding Diboken. It makes no sense. Uh, but just, in this case... So many props to both of the suit actors, because one of them has a dude standing on his back. And that must have been really hard to coordinate, even though I'm sure wires were involved to keep Ko steady on top of oh, him. I mean, yeah, they would have had to, but still, like, like it had still, to be a nightmare. There, that was a practical Tiramigo, so there was a dude in there. They yep. didn't see G.I. Tiramigo for that sequence. No, they did not. But, like... To, to your previous point, though, like, I'm I'm very much with you about loving the combo forms, or whatever you'd call it, where it's just a thing standing on another thing. Because that shouldn't be cool, but when it's a dude in cool armor surfing on a robot dinosaur, like, that is awesome, and that should be encouraged at every opportunity. Unless the robot dinosaur isn't interested, in which case you probably shouldn't. Do not climb over the fence of the theme park because you want to ride the robot dinosaur. That's Laser Knees' safety tip for this episode. The more you know. So as much as I don't like the framing of this episode from pretty much any angle, because both that kid and his mom were jerks, I do at least feel like Ichiro's mom is going to change from here on out and will try and, <clears throat> you know, work with this kid on his work-life balance and maybe not get so up in everyone's face about stuff, so, like, there's that at least. Yeah, it's not nothing. It's close to nothing, but it's not actually nothing. I just, I mostly just wanted her to, like, go out of her way to find out what Tiramigo's favorite thing is, and bring him a big one of those by way of apology, or just eaten some crow and asked asked him if he'd join her to tell people in public that despite her slanderous accusations, it was all a big misunderstanding and Tiramigo is a pillar of the community because he is. Yeah, like, I don't know, don't get him kicked off the baseball team. Yeah, like, you, you make sure. You go talk to the baseball coach and be like, hey, I was saying a lot of stuff, it was all a big misunderstanding, because uh, my son made him promise to not tell because of some stuff and, and like look when i say it like in this manner it sounds actually kind of sketchy but no this robot dinosaur is a pillar of the community and i'm sorry i ever cast aspersions on him because like look i have grounded him a couple times but that's because he's rude to melto and melto is his friend you don't be mean to your friends luca see i got there first but uh that's why she's grounded for life. Yeah, no. She just doesn't... It, it was ten years later. She just doesn't stop. Five years later. Five years later. Not ten years. Um, so, five years later, tried to shoot her friends. Yep. Anyway, um, I just... 
I, I am I am very conflicted about this episode because it's just it's framed weird and like I feel like it's trying it. I feel like it, with a lot of Kanako Kaori stuff, it's it's the inverse of uh, Yasuko Kobayashi because like Kobayashi does a familiar thing but puts a spin on it where that that I've not seen and I know it's a Kobayashi thing because. And it speaks to me on a primal level. Like, there was an episode of Shinkenger where, like, there's a monster that literally uses words to hurt you. God, and, what an episode. Yeah, and Kotoha is just like, oh no, the words still hurt me. I just do that to myself all the time. So I know how to push through it. Like, you, you see that, and you can't not have seen it after you've seen it. This one feels like taking this bog-standard thing and finding the exact anti-Kobayashi spin for it, where it's not, like, revelatory, but instead it it makes it harder to have a powerful revelation of self through the medium of Super Sentai. It's actively clamping it down and giving kind of a bad message, because ultimately, okay, stop and, like... Take this out of out of the context of Super Sentai and into the context of the terrible hell world in which we live. Um, a powerful, well-loved figure is seen assaulting someone else. A child, no less. Yeah, a child, no less. And, like, the kid is framed as a liar. The mom is framed as misguided. And the guy who did the assaulting is framed as having never done anything wrong in his life, which he never has, except for when he's rude to Melto, but that's because we know him, because we watch it, but from her point of view, she's not wrong. And it's just, it's weird that they're going out of their way to be like, hey, you should make sure to question all the victims really intensely, because they might just be playing you. And that's, um... bad. Yeah, just... The bit specifically where Tiramigo is like visiting the kid at the hospital and he's like, You didn't tell my mom, did you? And Tiramigo's like, No, like, I promised you. And he's like, Good. I'm like, mm, Hey, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a really. Like, I'm just saying, if the kid's in the hospital, I, I kind of wish the, the moral had been, or one of the morals could have been like, Co, just like, Hey, Tiramigo. I know you promised the kid. The promise put him in the hospital. I think you can tell people what's up. I don't know. Just it just it's a weird framing for the episode to take is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like I don't know. There's a degree to which I feel like the moral should have been like don't make people lie for you. That's a good moral. And um that's not the moral the show was saying. That definitely is not something we took away from this episode. Yeah. Because, like, the mom does all the apologizing, and, like, I just, you know, again, stop and see from her point of view. A dinosaur tried to eat her kid. <laughs> She's, like, I think she was a little wrong talking to Ui that way. Yeah, like, talking to Ui and talking to, like, Melt and Asuna? And Endco! Because Tiramigo is a fully sentient being capable of making his own choices. He is not a feral animal reacting out of fear. 
But I mean, even if you view him through the lens of a feral animal where, you know, you would have to confront the dog's owner, Melt and Asuna don't own that dog. That's not their dog. And even if you think it's just like, hey, you did a bad job raising this dog, uh, you don't then go to, oh, and by the way, you, person I know for reasons, I thought you were cool, but it turns out you suck because you live in the same place as the owner of that dog. Like, they were going out of their way to make her seem, like, unreasonable and bad. Yeah. And, hmm. And, like, that I can't, sucks. I can't totally defend her because the she was actively harming her child. Not mm. physically, but emotionally. Um, to the point where he framed someone for assault rather than getting, like, slapped on the wrist. Yeah. Like, you can kind of see why a kid would panic that way if his mm. mom is like this. Yeah. And if that had been the focus of the episode... Like, I feel we could talk, but I don't feel that was enough the focus of the episode. Like, she wasn't the problem here. It's, there, there are so many things that are, that are the core problem of this episode, and none of them can resolve against one another. No. It's, like, it's that thing that so frequently happens where I feel like Kaneko Kaori knows what a story looks like, and knows, like, the beats that are supposed to be there, but doesn't know, like, what it actually is. Is trying to, like, backwards construct it from beats instead of, okay, what is a setup and what is a conclusion? What is, like, emotional fulfillment? What is thematic cohesion? Yeah, it's... Like, I'm not... I feel like Kaneko Kari, like, knows story beats and is just... It's like with commas. You're just throwing them in there where you think they go, but they don't actually go there. I can't believe you would assault me like this, so no. I came at myself on that one. <laughs> Executive dysfunction plus so many commas. <laughs> Paragraph length sentences. Woo! <laughs> oh, subclauses. Oh, are my nemeses. This is a. Uh... That's a writer joke. Yep. Anyway, let's let's move on from this kind of weird, still good, but also, like, weird episode into another weird, but still good episode. Okay, so as much as I'm kind of bummed that this is a red-gold-only upgrade, or at least seems to be, especially <clears throat> since Ko just got a new upgrade off the death of a very good dude who I am still mourning... No, look, yeah, again, again, they, I maintain that is why they leave that, that empty half of the screen during the, the little, the flipping rectangles bit. Yeah. Because that way there's nothing there, which is another way of saying nada is there. And I'm just like, you guys, you made that, look, if I have to have that in me and have that hurting me, you all do. That's the rules here. No one suffers alone. Yep. Um but, like, he just got that. Why is he getting another upgrade? But I do really like the way that it's getting of it is framed and how that all comes together. Because I really yes. like the skeleton of determining which is more important between your friends and your duty. 
and how, you know, Ko and Kanalo picked opposite. They came at it from different directions, but came to the same conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I keep hoping it turns out to be something that they can share, because, yeah, the rest of the crew is also great. But look, if it does turn out to be just red and gold, at least they did a good job framing why. That's not nothing, which is the new phrase, apparently, that I've decided I'm going to overuse. So as much as I'm bummed that this is kind of a red-gold upgrade, especially since Code just got a new upgrade off the back of, you know, a dude that died. You know, a dude that was his friend that he cared about who died. Yeah, again, super weird. I do like the way that it's all framed and, like, came together. I like the framing of allies versus duty, determining which is more important and kind of pitting those two things against each other, and how really Ko and Kanalo worked their way from each of those opposing sides to come to the same conclusion. To, to address one of your earlier points, I, I do want to say I keep hoping that it's going to turn out to be something they can share around, because, look, the rest of the crew on the show frickin' rules, but still, if, if the gold saber, or whatever it's called, is, is still only for red and gold... At least they did a good job of framing why it's for them, even though the why seems to ultimately come down to, oh, they were the two who got there. Yeah, I mean, it's it shouldn't be just for them because it's a thing they can just that they can put on anyone. Yeah, because it's, it's made to switch between the two of them. It's not like Max, where it's an entirely new suit, because that I can understand only giving to one person. Yeah, even though that person should probably be Bamba because they've got history, but, yeah. you know, it's... He, I can, he wanted to be the red, and now he gets to be the red. Yes. So I can I can live with that. That's fine-ish. Um, but this, like, you can put it on anyone. Let any of them have it. Just toss them the gold sword. It's fine. You know, but to, to come back to the idea of liking this... Um, Mm, yes. I, I really do like the idea of Ko choosing his friends because he knows he can't complete his duty by himself, and Kanalo choosing his duty because if without fulfilling his duty, being it stopping the Druidons or finding a wife, he won't have anyone. Like, if he doesn't stop the Druidons, it means everyone is dead. If he doesn't find a wife, it means his people will continue dying out. So, like, he... He can't have, neither of them can have one without the other. They want the same things for different reasons. And deciding that instead of fighting about it, supporting one another as a united front is the best way to get there. Like, both sides are needed to reach the happy conclusion of everyone lives. And the two of them working things out together to reach that and surpass the idea of pitting one against the other was just really nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I confess a particular weakness for those kinds of dilemmas being shown to be false. Because, yeah, you need people dedicated to both of those principles, or else you can't get the job that needs doing done in the way it needs doing. Just like you said, if if... He doesn't have his friends, he can't fulfill his duty. If he doesn't fulfill his duty, he won't have any friends. I just... Again, that's just me restating, but you were very correct. But, uh, man, that upgrade looks better on Conalo than Ko. Because it's yeah. literally the same color as Conalo, which makes me think it was developed for him 
And then they were like, this is how we want to get it. And it doesn't make sense to to pick one over the other because that kind of goes against the theme of the show. But even then, like, it's still kind of weak. I wish it at least had a chest plate instead of just being a mantle and a cape because it feels like nothing. It feels like a thing that's thrown over the suit where at least a chest plate would feel like they did something. Yeah, no, it is, it really is just kind of there. Though I do like the idea of, like, you put one of the the Dionite Ryu souls in the new sword and it gives them a cute title. Yeah, that was pretty good. And, hey, guess what, kids? Uh, it's the new Christmas roleplay toy. So I'm glad they gave it a couple new things besides the, the paint job. Yeah. Like, I, I really, though, I do hope that every Ryu soul you put in its mouth just gets a new something. Yeah, like, if any of y'all have it, or I don't I don't know where you would get that information, I know it's out there, um, come tell me what all the titles are, because I hope it's titles for everyone. Yes, that sounds amazing. Because, honestly, on top of everything else, all of those dinosaurs deserve new titles, special titles. They deserve recognition, every last one of them. Yeah, like, Vanguard of the Attack, like, sounds really cool, and I want all of them to get that. I want everyone to get one of those. I want Asuna's to just be, to just make her sound like the most savage hardcore person in the show, because, uh, hey, like, headline news, she is. And it was nice to see Bamba and Toa training together again, because it, it feels like they've sort of been drifting apart since the, the end of the Nada situation. They haven't really done anything together. So it was just nice seeing them still have their little sibling routine of the two of them go off away from everyone and just kind of train together. Yeah, that was nice. It really was. And I have to say, the people running the show are at the very least good at making sure everyone gets a little time to shine or some background stuff where they, they reconnect or reassert a relationship. And they just they do it on the reg, and I like it. I yeah, know. and it's, it's so necessary in an ensemble show like this, and it's yeah. really what's been missing. It, it was absolutely what was missing from Q-Ranger. Oh, goodness, yes. Long, anyway, no, let's not, let's not tear into Q-Ranger. No, but I mean, like, honestly, it's been missing from pretty much everything since, since Gokaiger. Yeah. Maybe with the exception of Tokyuger? Maybe? Maybe. But even then, I think most of that was Wagon. Yeah. Like, Wagon was really doing the heavy lifting on background interactions. It's it's nice to see them doing this. Like, because I know we just had that bit of a grump about the red and gold only, so far, at least, upgrade. But at least the show is better than most at making sure that Ko and Kanalo aren't the only ones with stuff they're doing besides fighting monsters. Though... I guess they could be better at that point when it comes to Conalo, but look, that's just flogging a dead horse at this point. I'm glad that we get to see Bonbo and Toa chillin'. Yeah. And, well, just, maybe not you know, chillin'. Doing, doing, doing brother stuff. Yeah. I also really like the idea of Gachireus being so desperate that he had a Minosaur made from himself. We haven't gotten a whole lot of that. Have we no. gotten any of that? I don't believe so. I don't... Oh, we did. We had one made from one of the Druid drones, and I yes. think that's the only other time we've done it. Um, Man, are so we ever going to was... get to see Crayon make a Druidon, a, 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 a Minosaur of herself? 
God, that would, would be... It just be I feel like that one. would be a really good, like, final Minosaur. That would, actually. I'm just like, it would just be another one. It just... Hey, Crayon? What's up, Crayon? I don't know, not much. You're real big. I know, it's awesome. I'm gonna go kick down that building. You do it! I feel like that would be really good for, like, the final battle. That would be. But I also like that it was water-themed to emphasize his status as Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, that- I missed that. Good call. Uh, but I think the big reason I missed it is because, like, I do wish at any point that I had ever felt any reason to, to care about Gashureus. Because I think that's the first time I've ever cared to say his name, and even then, just because you just said it. Because, like, look, the water monster, I like the water monster. That was, it was clever, it was a fun hook. I just, I just wish Bodie McBoatface wasn't there, because I just, I do not care. I, I legit hoped, like, that the original plan was that they were going to bring in that other fella, the, the ninja guy, you know, the one who heralded Precious and killed Nada. But the suit just, like, wasn't ready, so they just brought Bodie McBoatface back. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I feel like it would have had a little more impact if that guy had been around for a hot minute before he killed Nada. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it it hurt a lot anyway, but I certainly wouldn't mind it hurting a little more, or yeah, just, making me hate a dude. Like The, the thing about it bad. is, like, they established him as a threat by making him kill Nada, yeah. and then he died. Yep. <laughs> in the same episode. Yeah. And it really would have been great if he would have been a going concern and everyone's scared of him, and then he killed a man, and then we killed him back. Again, I'm sure it's it was probably just a budget thing, or a time thing, or maybe someone somehow was like, hey, you know, we didn't do much with Bodie McBoatface, and no one said, yeah, I know, that's why we killed him, and we're glad he's dead, but, you know, whatever. Um, I also, Ui's dad bringing the food out to the team was very cute, and I love the bit of Toa, like, examining it, and being like, this is a weird food combination, and then turning around and giving it to his brother, like, here, make sure this is good before I eat it. Again, it's just, I love them, and it was nice seeing them have these really cute little interactions where Bamba gets to make a face. He's very good at making a face. Especially since, like, he's just got a very good face to begin with. He does. Sorry, like, I'm not trying to turn every episode where Bonba does stuff into, like, hey, let's all look at Bonba and think about how attractive he is. But also, like, dang, he is really attractive. Yeah. Oh, y'all just, y'all just wait till the next episode of Laser Knees. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, we are going to be just unstoppable. Uh, There's nothing anyone's gonna be able to. There's not going to be anything anyone's going to be able to do. Yep. It's just going to be like that, and I hope you're prepared. But it's I always I just always love these moments where the team kind of gets snapped out of their own heads by something kind of silly, and that's how they come to the answer. Yeah, I do too. Especially since, like, look, they've been doing a lot of training, having trials and stuff, but there's also a lot of nonsense going on. And sometimes you have to have nonsense happen so that you can remember that the world exists outside of you. Oh man, seeing Koreon get to tear Gachi Reyes a new one was deeply cathartic. 
Like, and especially that her first, like, big tear at him was that she was- that he was wasting her minosaurs. Like, that was brilliant. Like, she earned that little rant, and I am so proud. Same. Same. Rise up, Comrade Koreon. (laughs) It was just- Look, look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Like, I've had some bad, or at least personally frustrating bosses in my life. And therefore, like, I was just, I was living for that moment. <laughs> Especially since, apparently, Gajoreas is really thin-skinned. Just cannot, like, can certainly dish out a lot of stuff. Cannot take even the lightest amount of criticism. Because, honestly, Korean was tearing into him. Honestly, wasn't tearing into him so much that, like, that should have been regular size Minosaur to giant size one, you know? Oh, yeah. Like... It did not take much. She only said, like, two things. Yeah. Ad- ad- admittingly, it was very cathartic, but still, it wasn't that much. The the guy, uh, what was it, Baron Bug? Baron Flea, whatever his name was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, that was a whole bunch of tap dancing on his insecurity, but still, it took a day of tap dancing, not, hey, insult me. Though, like, I guess in fairness, Bodie McBoatface was freaking out because uh, Frisius is saying she's going to, you know, destroy his heart. But still, just... I just really like every time that Koreon gets to talk about the fact that she is the plan. Like, whatever whatever else the Doridons are doing, the plan is have Koreon do a thing. And I hope that means she gets to start realizing that... Uh, she, along with the Druid drones, because she's got class solidarity, uh, could well stand to be co-equal partners in this whole universal domination thing. And I think to a degree that's where the danger in Precious really lies, because Precious is playing to that and is uh, maybe trying to uh, break down a little of that class solidarity. Because, you know, she's offering to promote Koreon from manager to supervisor, or whichever one of those is higher. I don't know, I had an office job that never gave me the chance to move beyond a horrible office monkey. So, but like, you know, she's offering that promotion to, you know, the kind of the third step up, where, you know, it's getting serious. Middle management. And, you know, that... You know, Koreon will think she's got more power, but Precious is still the one holding all of the literal and figurative cards. Yep. Which, look, let that be a lesson to you, dear listener, if you didn't already know it already. People who want to break up a union before it's formed by just offering power to one of them are not to be trusted. Because, like, look, Precious knows what she's about probably has been messing about with contractors and other folks in, in Koreon's role before, because I can't imagine this is the first time they've had a Koreon. But yeah, she definitely has a plan for Koreon, which, um, like, I'm not happy for that, because I really don't want anything but good things for Koreon. But on the other hand, if you've got a plan for dealing with Koreon, that at, me- at least means you respect her enough to build a plan to counter her. And... That's the first time I think Koreon's got that kind of respect from the Doridons. That's true. And I mean, at least for the first time in a couple years, we've got villains with plans, and they're excited about them. They really are. 
It's honestly like it shouldn't continue to be a thing to be refreshed and relieved by. But wow, that just drives home how thoroughly Juoj like they didn't drop the ball; they spiked it. Yeah, it was. I want to like the guy who's like, yes, I'm I'm decadent and evil, and I just I'm so bored that even the act of of just exterminating a planet is beneath me, but boy, that's a hard one to sell. Yeah, and they didn't do it. No, Lupot got close. A couple times. Lupot got close because he would get excited and then they would fail and he'd be like, to heck with this. Yeah. I mean, but he just... did have that speech about, how do you think I got in this chair? Like, that was hot fire. Yeah, it, it didn't quite land perfectly. No. The bit of him chained up in the epilogue was great, but the actual final fight just it didn't quite make it there for me. No, yeah, that yeah. But Lupot did come close and they get credit for that. Yes. But like Precious, she's just she's skipping through a random stretch of forest just like I am so great. I am so great. I'm gonna murder all of the people and I'm just like you you live your truth. I, I just I love Precious because she's so happy to murder everyone, and Crayon is so happy to just troll the entire human race, and I respect that. Um, and I think that's more or less the end of our our thoughts on the episode. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, so what do we what what kinds of stuff do we have in store for next episode? Uh, we have the Christmas episode. Oh yeah, and it's I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. Cause it is I, a very good Christmas episode. Because like, first off, it's remarkably non-traumatic, which is very nice given the the anxieties we've had about Christmas, especially since we know that this show will straight up murder a person. Yes. Because Christmas, in in recent uh, Toei Tokusatsu history, has been an excellent time to murder someone. Mm. But also, like, again, we mentioned earlier, but, like, yeah, Bonba is being handsome, but the Christmas episode makes me kind of want to swoon about him even more, because um, he's, he's all that attractive and intense, and, like, he does smoldering intensity really well. But then he's extra intense about his love for Christmas and anonymously giving gifts to school children because that's just a cool thing to do. <sighs> like, be still my heart. <laughs> he is just the best, and I love him. The episode is fine art, and I can't wait to discuss it. But that's that's for next time. Um... But before we, we close out, do we have any final thoughts? Um, just for all that I think my more major points that I brought up in these two episodes were more in the negative column than the positive, I did actually really enjoy these episodes, um, for what it's worth. Kaneko Kauri is still sort of a luck of the draw if she's gonna give you a good or somewhat mediocre or just outright terrible episode. Yeah. Um, it could be any of the three. There is no predicting it. But, you know, we're we're at episode 38. 
the next episode's 39 is the Christmas episode, we're all lined up to kind of run into the final stretch of this show, and I'm still very much in love with it, and just really excited to see where it lands. Yeah, big same. Because, like, look, they wanted to save the franchise, and this is how you do that thing. <laughs> they, they may yet faceplant, but they've already saved Super Sentai for another while anyway. I don't think they're going to face plant, but, you know, never... You, you can't ever take it off the table. Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is that we're not going to come back to Master Black and Master Green. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm still kind of in, in the headspace that Precious is the one that came back and that they fought, and that's how Master Green ended up in the Geysorg armor. Yeah. Uh, Which, so, you know, as as they, we still haven't had them confront Precious directly beyond that first confrontation where we, you know, lost Nada and had to show off Max. So, we could very well still, still bring that in. There's still time. There's still plenty of time to confront that because that only needs to be two episodes max. You could do it in one episode. Um, so, you know. We've got plenty of time. We've, We've got, got ten episodes-ish, give or take. Yeah, I, I was so... saying between eight and twelve, because few are the Super Sentai series to make it to 52, but it, it can happen. It, it it would not be the first time, but... But also, um, like, bring back the Prime Minister, you cowards. You cowards. Absolute, just invertebrates. But anyway, I'm, I am likewise excited to see where we go from here, because, yeah, after the... After the next laser knees, we're in the 40s, and that's when stuff goes wild. <laughs> and uh, this show is good at being wild. Uh, so then, until next time, for Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sonic. And don't get kicked by a horse and die. <laughs> <laughs>